0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Anne Gordon here with my friend at Khavuta, Yerdana Osband. Our Daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, Daf Kaf Zayin, page twenty-seven. Now, in fairness, we in preparation, Yerdana, you and I have agreed that we're going to mention the fact that Ahmad Aleph here, and really beginning on Kaf Vav Mabet twenty-six, um, is a real tangle and challenge of Adaf. Meaning we have, and you know, the Amarayim are attempting to interpret the Mishnah and the commentaries here assess the fact that it seems that Rav seems to be speaking about Rav's own opinions, a- against his own opinions, and Shmuel seems to be speaking against his own opinions. And then there's a whole lot of attempt to figure out, you know, does Shmuel's opinion align with Shmuel's opinion and so on. And the Rishonim on this Amud, or, or really on this whole sugya, this whole discussion here, basically end up with really disparate halachic you know, halakhic, um decisions in terms of what this whole Amud is really coming to teach and coming to Paskin and coming to um really to interpret the Mishnah, but there's no unified understanding here, not even in the way that we might usually say, oh, here we've got a machlok at chamai And the end of the daf does talk about Beit, beit chamai but it's neatly aligned in that way. It is not neatly aligned. It will be that much more of a challenge to discuss on air, so to speak, as opposed to even with charts, I think this this is a challenge. So we are mentioning it, we are acknowledging it. If you have already gone through the daf and you have found it to be a bit confusing, a bit challenging, a bit uh, counterintuitive, even more so than perhaps usually even within Masachin Yevamot, um, we hear you because that is the nature of this daf, meaning the fact that the Rishonim themselves end up with very different piske halakha, very different decisions about these these issues. Um, I think speaks volumes literally about what the what a challenge this what I'll call a plunter, this tangle of an Ahmed Aleph is. Um Ahmed Bet is smoother, believe it or not. My, so you're now why don't, why don't you take it away from the bottom of Ahmed Aleph and then I'll pick it up from there. When you're so when I'm you're going
1: done. right. I'm going for- for the bottom of Amadal, if there's a discussion that takes place in that very complicated sughia about somebody. Uh, Shmuel basically made a statement about a woman who uh, somebody who either received a get or which would sort of be sort of the beginning of the process of so You don't really have to do a get, you just do halitza. But let's say somebody decided to send a get because remember, halitza is basically symbolic of showing that you're not going to go through with Yibum and you're going to end that relationship. Or a woman had received a mamar, right? Which remember we had explained before was a uh, the real yibum takes place actually when that couple, the avam and the avama, basically just consummate that relationship. But because that sort of didn't feel great to Chazal, as I think it doesn't feel great to us either. They instituted this practice of mamar, where there sort of was a kedushan like action that took place, so that it had sort of a more formal appearance and wasn't just a. Let's say, you know, we're talking about these cases where there's multiple uh wives, right? And the bomb basically yeah. one woman and then decide alita, uh, like then that other woman had get or my my mom mom would basically be from because would have fulfilled his obligation through that act of so they asked the following question, okay, like this question was raised. Let's say you have two women who are in front of a one uh, Yavam and both should do Yibam with this Yavam, right? And one woman, a bill of divorce, right? To get, And one woman, Yibam right? Sort of started this process to say, no, we're going to go through with Asa mehen Kodemit. Who basically takes precedence for doing chalitza? In other words, if then he decided he was going to do with one of those women, who should he do chalitza with? In other words, would a... that you have a yavam? There's two potential women in front of him who could be the yavama. With each of those women, he does this type of preliminary act. And so the question is, who aza oizo mehen kodavit? In other words. Is the act of giving the get or do one of those basically carry more weight or establish more of a relationship between a Yavama that to choose between those two? One of them would have preference for doing chalitza over the other one. And so the Gemara goes on to explain: maybe the woman who received the get you know, is you know, is preferred, is Adiv, because he already began the process of Khalitza with her, right? Because starting off with this get is basically saying, I know I want to sever our bond. And you know, so he starts with a get and then he would go through with Khalitza. Um o Dilma or perhaps Bala he thought, Maybe the Maamar is actually the woman who had this preliminary betrothal, right? Uh, is 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 would be you know preferred to do khalisah with Adifa, Mishum dekruvat libia because she is actually closest to uh, the sexual relationship, right? That in other words, usually this act of mamar is done right before yibum is going to be done, and it basically and, and in non yibum, uh, in non yibum scenarios, the mamar actually would be a fully valid, uh, kedushin. So therefore, a woman who's had ma'amar, it actually increases the connection between the Yavam and the Yavama, and therefore it would be preferable to do chalitza uh, with that woman who got the ma'amar. So they basically present uh, a, a way to say that maybe get is, you know, would be kodemet, or maybe ma'amar would be kodemet. So Ravashi says, come in here, right? And that essentially what he's going to explain is, is that the chachamim, uh basically you know, uh, uh, had a disagreement, right, about a yavam who basically does Mamar with one sister-in-law, and then does it with her Sarah as well. Or let's say he gave both of these women, you know, gets right. The question basically would be, right, in these cases, is the the person who he did the 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 yavam, right? If he does this with with two uh with two sisters, let's say, okay. Um, or oh sorry or one person in her Sarah. the question is the second action either the second mamar that he did or the second get is it effective does it mean anything right because in other words he already did something with the first person so basically toshma was taught mm-hmm. rabban gamliel basically agrees that there can be a, a get is effective after mamar meaning the get the, that the Yavam gives to one Yavama after having done ya- ma'amar with the with the other Yavama, it still has some effect. And Robin Gamliel says also the opposite was true, right? Let's say someone did the get first with one of the women and then did ma'amar with the other women. It also still takes effect a little bit. So we're not really sort of answering the question. In fact, I think Ravachi's sort of strengthening the question and basically being like, Raman Gamliel basically said, like, both still are basically like there's a relationship with both of these people, basically. And it doesn't make a difference what order it actually happened in. It's not like because one action took place first, that bond is stronger, whether it be get or whether it be ma'amar. They, they both have some type of effect. So then the Gemara says, right, he gets a deep la lahani mamar abatre. right? If the get one is going to be preferred over ma'amar, meaning we're saying that's a stronger bond right? Then the ma'mar that's done afterwards, it actually, it, it shouldn't be effective. It shouldn't do anything. And if ma'mar is preferable, then the get that's given afterwards also, it shouldn't be effective. So rather, right? What do we have to include from it? They're actually equivalent to each other. And so the Gemara basically says, yes, so therefore, neither one of those women, right, who got a get or the woman who got the mamar, take precedence for chalitza. Now, what's interesting is they don't really continue the discussion, and they don't really give a practical. So, like, I guess what that would mean is both of those women would actually have to have chalitza done to end that relationship because you sort of started entering a relationship. Um, but what I find interesting here is that here you're taking. Um, essentially a a, a law from the Torah, right? Which is that you need to do Yibam or Chalitza. And they're adding on sort of this extra layer where like somebody did something that's not actually the De'oraisa or sort of the Torah description of what actually has to happen. And yet Chazal is saying that if he did any of those actions, either give the get or do ma'amar, it has a bond that's sort of strong enough that you can't actually answer this question about Really, according to like how chalitz or yibum is supposed to be done to the Torah, you can't answer it. So I found that interesting. Like I think there is a tight um, strength they're giving to some of these customs. Like now that that added layer is on, either with maamar or get, it somehow is so strong of a connection. It can't. It overrides in a way what the straightforward halacha is mean hat Torah. Um, I, I don't know if what I said makes sense completely. I, I just find it's interesting that the Gemara doesn't actually resolve it. They're like, yeah, both of them are ban and they're actually both equal.
0: Um, I think that point of them both being equal, um, right, it, it, to me, it seems like what it says is, so do whichever you want, meaning you don't have to give precedence to the one over the other or the other over the one. Right, because they're equivalent, so you could say either the woman who got the get or the woman who got the ma'amar. Either one of them could be first for chalitza, and you're fine. No, uh, get- a okay, holstead
1: get- that we just came off of, which is basically like we're going to do chalitza with this one, chalitza with that certain. Has to do everything. Order actually is important. that order is actually not important. I, I. I uh, the sugya, was it's it's a very short passage, but it was just it's interesting because I don't feel like the conclusion is particularly strong. But maybe we're gonna okay, learn more. I hear we're gonna you. have more discussion about Mammar and get later on.
0: That well could be, but not quite yet. Here I've got some more, as you said, uh, Yavama funny. word problems. Um so I have here this the piece that I want to talk about immediately comes after what you've just discussed discussed, Yodina, but it also refers back to Amad Aleph and everything that we just kind of didn't talk about. So I'm going to try to fill in as I can. So, right, Ravhuna is talking about Rav, who is represented, you know, on Kavavan and Kav Zayan Amad Aleph. So, what happens? We've got two sisters who become yivamot, meaning they are women who have Zika Ibum. That means that they were two sisters who were, were married. So it's a case that we've seen many times, right? that their two sisters were married to two brothers, and the brothers died, and now there's one Yavam, meaning there's one third brother. So both of them are there, right, with this apparent Zikat Yibum to the one guy. But of course, that's not how it works, right? They can never end up with one brother marrying them, you know, doing Yibum with both of the widows of his other two brothers. Shona. So, what happens if he does chalitza with the first sister, hutra? As soon as she, he does chalitza with her, then she is permitted, she's permitted, hutra, is permitted to marry anybody, meaning anybody else, right? Not part of this family. Lishnia, hutra. And then if he does chalitza with the second sister, then she is also permitted to go marry anybody. So, this seems to be a pretty straightforward case. Who would have thunk, right? Meaning he does chalitza, he does chalitza. We're done, right? But now that's just the setup for more complicated. Um, and of course, part of this is you know what part of the underlying discussion that we avoided, right? Was is the question of how strong is that zikat yibum to begin with? How strong is the bond that is present, you know, from the moment that the brother married that the brother gets married the first time before he dies, right? And that immediately, you know, le- levies a a bond to another brother in the event that he would die without having had children, right? Is that a strong bond or is that not such a strong bond? So that's kind of like underlying the whole question of, you know, what is, what is Rav's position here? What is Shmuel's position here? Again, on the, on the material that we didn't talk about. Now we've got, again, the, the elaboration of the case. So what happens again? It's two brothers who marry two sisters. The two brothers die. There's a third brother. Both of these two sisters come before him. He is the Avam, to both of them, but that doesn't work, right? So, if the first sister dies before the Avam was able to do chalitza with that first wife, with that first of the two sisters, then he doesn't have to do chalitza with the second one. He can actually marry her. And likewise, says the Gemara here, had the second one died, meaning, the second one dies before he did chalitza with the first one, he can actually do, he can actually marry, do yibum, proper yibum, with the first one, okay? Meaning, not if he's already done chalitza, but if he's done, or she does chalitza, really, right? Then she can, then he can marry the first one. Mishum So what happens? The, the rationale here is basically to say that we have a case um, where she would have been considered a Yavama who is permitted to him, right, as a Yavama at the time that she happened to come before him as a Yavam for Yibum to begin with, right? Meaning this is the because the second, because one of the sisters has died, the second sister is permitted um, as if. Let me say this, right? But <laughs> she's permitted as a Yavama. And then later you would think that she would be forbidden because she's a sister of somebody that he, with whom he's got a Zika Ibum. And that same sister also has a Zika Ibum. But the fact that the Zika Ibum is there, that bond is there, negates her ability to marry him straight up, right? And so then they can't have Ibum with either one of them. But once the one, the one sister dies, that drops the zikat yibum to the other sister and meaning now it's permitted and so then she can she can go back to her permitted status meaning i'm going to read this gemara this line of the gemara again right into um because she was permitted and then she was forbidden and then she goes back to being permitted then what does it mean she goes back to the Original permitted status, um, because of the way the second sister had come before him um, for Yibum, which was permitted, and and she was permitted by the death of the second sister. Did I say this right at all, Yerdana? I know it's very clear now in my head, right? If the first sister dies, I'm sorry. If the first sister is allowed to marry him for the sake of Yibum, but now the second sister, with her Zikat Yibum, negates. The ability for the first sister to marry him, but because then the second sister dies, the first sister is eligible again for yibum, and that's fine. Meaning, they've they, it's a sad story, but the fact that the second sister dies puts it returns it to it's just a case of yibum for the first one. Like that's that's it. However, Rabbi Yochan makes it more complicated, or perhaps simpler, depending on your point of view. Rabbi Yochan and Amar. So again, this is now commentary on Rav's opinion of, that Rav Huna had brought. But if the second sister dies, then the Yavam is allowed to marry the first sister, which is what we've kind of just said. Aval Rishona Asur But if the first sister dies, then he can't marry the second sister. And the and the Gavar asks so he says like this, the reason is that any of Ama, for whom we would say we've got this the the Pasak in Devarim that says the 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 brother in law, right, will Yavo Allah, they will have sex, right? Then that doesn't that can't apply if she's going to the, the she's there as for a case of Yibum, because in that moment she's forbidden to him because she's considered like the wife of the brother. she Like as if there were children, which makes her forbidden. And therefore, because, and then what happens is the second sister was forbidden to the Yavam at the time that she happened before him with for Yibum, because she's the sister of the woman with whom he had the Zikat Yibum. And then, according to this opinion, because she had, had been prohibited to him, she's not allowed to be permitted to him again. The Gemara asks about this. Doesn't Rav accept this rationale as well, meaning that it would negate the capacity for the marriage between them? Doesn't Rav accept that? Because Rav Rav himself said, It was Rav himself who established that this prohibition between them lasts, that it's there, that he can't marry her. So the Gemara says, well, that case stands when we're talking about um, an the, the prohibition for yibum, meaning getting in the way of yibum, is marrying achot, ishad, or epto, When it's a sister of the wife would be a Torah, Torah prohibition, right? Which means that if the woman happens before the yibum to have yibum, and it's his wife's sister, then he can't do yibum, even if his wife would die afterwards, because the, the phenomenon of the isur, the prohibition, has already kicked in. A vow, but in this case of a vahacha zika But the prohibition to marry the sister is there simply because of the Yibum connection. And that, according to this, is a rabbinic law. And because that's a rabbinic law, it doesn't establish the prohibition forever. It only establishes the prohibition at the time that the wife is alive. So I'm gonna still say that this is still pretty complicated and messy in terms of figuring it all out. Um but I do think that one thing to walk away from here, I think, is a recognition that the prohibitions that Yibum and Zikat Yibum bring into the store into the whole mess of the relationships are considered here to be a lesser strength of a bond or a lesser strength of a prohibition than those that are Torah. Torah prohibitions to begin with. And then I think we can begin to understand how it could be that there'd be so much machloket on Ahmed Aleph that kind of boil down to, or at least are are hinging on the question of how strong is that Leverite bond to begin with?
1: Yeah, I, you know, this whole discussion about sort of like, I what the theme of this stuff to me is sort of how strong are different actions, right? Like in other words, I talked about like the strength of the mama or the cat. You know, you're talking about the strength of sort of different types of bonds. And I, I think what's very clear from all this, and even from the last mission, of you, is that there's a relationship that happens basically at that time of death. And so therefore, that relationship with that Yavama, with that you know Yavamos, let's say brain teaser is basically trying to figure out okay if you have you know this number of brothers with this number of, of wives some of them are sisters how are all the bonds affected in terms of Khalitsa and yibum and you know sort of what's the order of how you resolve those either resolve those bonds or let's say you know further those bonds into an actual yibum or sever those bonds through Khalitsa. that that's sort of like how I'm putting this all together
0: I think so. I think I also understand, you know, why there's a real need for a court and an investigation and, uh, you know, people who are experts at this to do the map, right, to map out what's supposed to happen to whom. Because if it's stronger, if it's not as strong, like, I I understand also better why there's a machloket in the Rishonim over what the real psak is supposed to be like. Following it through is not an easy thing here.
1: Right. And again, I actually do have to believe I don't think these are just brain teasers to be here. I think when you have probably societies where people, you know, lived in small towns or villages and people were really related to each other who married, this stuff was actually. And also, remember, death was much more common in a certain way than it is today. Um, Like this stuff happened. It actually had to be dealt with. But I don't get a sense of like how much did this actually happen in the time of Hazal? That's also like which is interesting to me. Because you don't see, um, I'll just, you know, maybe we'll end with this. You don't see any chazal examples. Like, there's nobody's like, oh, and when so-and-so rabbi had to do yibom, or when so-and-so, like, those don't seem to exist, and I'm finding that puzzling.
0: I would guess, and this is just a, it's really a guess, meaning pure speculation, I would guess that the cases are few and far between, to the same way that they're not so common nowadays But then when they happen, that thing of like throwing up your hands and saying, oh, my goodness, now what happens becomes all too real. Right. I think that, you know, every so often there's like a chaos tragedy and and it depends on the experts to, you know, to to figure out exactly what's supposed to happen. My guess is that that happened then, too, certainly with people heading to war and so on.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying. Like, think about all the other masakta we've learned, and where it follows that formula of like Mishnah, Gemara, and then it examples. would you know, get, then it would go through examples like this happened, and right. this person says this happened. We have not seen an example yet of this, and we're on Zav I just it's it, it today's We the saw
0: one. Do you remember that we saw the one case of a. We did see one case of Yivorm. I have to remember who it was. But we, in any case, the, yes, I think, I think it it's a y- point y- very well talking taken. Talking
1: about houses where the brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws could be confused with each other. Like it was in the in the Sugi of shneos. It talked about those houses where they're like, oh yeah, that house you may not know who all the in-laws is. And that house you may not know where all the in-laws are. But it didn't oh, mention Yivorm. You're right. It didn't mention Yivorm. Fair and enough. Yivorm, it, was about, it was in the context of the Shniyos. I think I hear you. Wrong. So
0: I so I may be wrong. I'm wondering what I'm trying to remember, because I'm remembering something from longer ago, but I accept that I'm probably wrong because you're better at this kind of memory anyway. But my <laughs> point. So I accept I accept what you're saying, that it's not. And I and certainly it's true that we don't have examples. That's why I say my speculation or or not hardly any. My my speculation here is that it was few and far between. Right. So the the example you're not going to talk about that. Right. Meaning that one case, maybe they will, maybe we'll st- still see that. But I think that they still have to know the law because because if and when it would ever happen, yeah, you have to know. Far between, right?
1: Well, that's our DoF discussion for the day. Rank is reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DoF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.